We've been going through, or just started last week, a series on I am statements. And last week, Ben started us off with, I am not. Um, I am not God. You are not God. In case you thought you were, you're not. You're not God. Um, and God wants us to know him, right? He really wants us to know him intimately, and so he uses all kinds of things for us to do that. One of those ways is to use visual aids. So he likes to use familiar things, things that we understand, things that we know, to help us understand him better. Um, and one of those things is what we're going to talk about tonight. In John 6:35, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Okay? Bread. I, what do you think about when you hear bread? Yummy. Warm, melted butter. You know, I don't know very many people who don't like some sort of bread. Even if you're gluten-free, gluten-free people still find a way to have bread, right? Like, we want bread. Um, I don't know if Danny is out here, but he is going to be the only one that even remotely knows what I'm talking about. But we, Ben and I lived, we went to Eastern Illinois University. That was our, <laughs> I saw that you had that on tonight. That's, thanks for wearing that. Um, she has a EIU rain jacket on. Um, we went to EIU a, a little while ago and then stayed and did ministry there for six years. So we lived in Charleston, Illinois for about 10 years. If you've never been to Charleston, Illinois, you don't need to. <laughs> um, there's nothing there, literally nothing. The highlight of us living there was when Elijah was born in the year 2000, they put in a super Walmart. But seriously, it was so exciting because there was nothing. You had to travel a half an hour to an hour to do any sort of shopping. Um, but one highlight that Charleston, Illinois had was a restaurant called What's Cookin'. And what they had there, and I've never seen it or had it anywhere else, was something called strawberry bread. Oh my gosh, you guys, this bread was so good. And they made it there, but it was just, you would get a big hunk of it, like that thick, and it would be warm with real strawberries in it, and like cinnamon and sugar on top, and they'd melt butter on it. Oh my gosh. So... But I'm sorry to tell you that What's Cooking doesn't exist anymore, so Charleston's back to just being a super Walmart. I don't know. <laughs> there's, there's just not much there. Um, anyway, okay. So all of us know what it means or what it feels like to be physically unhealthy, right? If we don't feel well, if we have eaten too much, if we don't eat enough, if we get too much sleep, if we don't get enough sleep, um, if we get punched in the face, like that physically hurts, right? Um, but most of us, like it's hard for us to recognize um, when we're spiritually unhealthy. And I think that oftentimes when we are spiritually unhealthy, we equate it to, oh no, I, I, don't, I just don't feel good. Um, when in reality, I think that sometimes God is trying to get our attention with our, with our physical unhealth to say, hey, we, got, we need to talk. There's some things we need to talk about. So spiritual unhealth may feel, you might feel empty inside. These are things I hear you tell me too. I just don't feel close to God. I don't feel connected. I've been trying. I don't, I don't feel him. I don't know that he's there. Um, your emotions might be way out of whack. You might be crying one minute, really angry the next. Um, there are other explanations for that too. There are other life circumstances and things that happen that can put our emotions out of whack. But that's, that's a check for you to be like, okay, where is my spiritual health at? 
Um, other things, you might be in a place where you're being incredibly critical or complaining a lot. You may feel disconnected from your friends and family who you otherwise normally feel connected with. Sin may be running rampant in your life. That's a really good indicator that your spiritual health, your spiritual health is not doing well. Um, if sin comes very easily for you and it's at your fingertips all the time and you're, you're giving in all the time. Um, you may have, a, have feelings of being abandoned by God. You may feel like he's gone. He's nowhere to be found. Um, you may experience sudden doubt. And doubt isn't bad, so I don't want you to hear that because God doesn't mind us doubting. He doesn't mind us saying, okay, seriously though? Really? That's really who you are? That's you, you said this, but is that really true? God doesn't mind our doubts. He wants us to ask questions. But this is different. This is sudden doubt. Like all of a sudden, I just don't know if I believe this anymore. Um, that's a sign that maybe you're not as connected with the Lord as you should be. You might have difficulty sleeping. I know that for me, um, if you were at fall retreat, you heard me talk about my struggle with anxiety and depression, and I know both of those things take a big old sky high if my spiritual life is not doing well. Um, that doesn't mean, I'm not saying if you ex if struggle with anxiety and depression, just pray harder. I'm not, no, I'm not going to tell you that. Joe Miller doesn't throw Christian crap at you, and I won't do that, because um, it isn't just pray harder to make it go away, but it is get in the word. It is talk to your friends. It is pray, okay? Those are signs that our spiritual unhealth is not doing well. Um, we need, as followers of Jesus, to pay as much attention to our spiritual unhealth as we do our physical. We feel our physical. We know right away when we don't feel well, but I think sometimes we tend to ignore the spiritual unhealth and just keep going and keep trying to fill it with other things, with empty calories, with things that, that aren't going to fill us up. Um, and that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Aren't you excited? We're going to talk about empty calories that we don't, don't fill us up. Hmm, good times. Um, so our physical and our spiritual health are intertwined, and I hope that you've heard me say that in what I've already said. They, they go hand in hand. They are not at war with each other. Um, if we are not physically well, oftentimes we're not spiritually well, and this is not a prosperity gospel message. Please don't hear that. I'm not saying if you follow Jesus, you're going to feel good and have money forever. No, I'm not. Um, <laughs> I just realized what I said could be taken as that. Not prosperity, everyone. Not prosperity. But our physical and our spiritual health are intertwined. It tells us in Romans 12:1 that our, we need to offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. It also says in 1 Corinthians 6.20 that we have been bought with a price, therefore honor God with your body. Okay, so our text tonight, Louie, okay, <laughs> I told Louie how to do the clicker, it made me too nervous. Okay, so we're going to John 6.30, I'm just going to read 6.30 to 35, am I in your way? Okay. I don't know how to do this, you guys. It's been two years since I've been on this stage. All right, so verse 30. So they said to him, this is right after, let me give context. This is right after the feeding of the 5,000, okay? And I think most of you probably know that story. I'm going to go into that story in a little bit, so I'm not going to do that now. But this is right after Jesus took the fish and the loaves, multiplied it, and fed the 5,000. So they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. 
They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So I want to look at tonight different different meanings of bread in the Bible. Did you know that it's mentioned 492 times? That's a lot of times to talk about bread. Um, so it's been around for a long time. Bread is nothing new. It's been around forever. And so I want to look, I'm going to pull out four different um, pictures that I think God paints for us when it comes to bread. The first one of those is bread as nourishment to our bodies. And I, the scripture that I just read talked about the manna, and that comes out of Exodus 16. And what is happening there is Moses has just gotten all the people out of Egypt, okay? We're a month later. They're all sitting in the wilderness complaining. <laughs> Isn't that just like people? Thank you for rescuing us, but also, meh. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm. They have a lot to complain about. They're hungry, and they want to go back. They want to go back to Egypt where the food was ready and there and they could have as much as they wanted. They're in the wilderness. They don't have that anymore. God heard their complaints, said to Moses, hey, I can hear them. I'll take care of that. I'm going to literally rain food down from heaven. Okay? So he provides manna from heaven. He also provides meat. But what God does in that, and here's the lesson in that, is that he only gives them exactly what they need every day okay there were some of them who were like you know what i'm gonna take a little extra and i'm gonna keep it just in case god doesn't come through tomorrow i'm gonna make sure i have it well what happened then is they would wake up in the morning and their food would be full of maggots and it would be rancid it would not be edible and god would come through and he would provide the food the only day that he didn't was the sabbath day and so because of that he provided extra on day six so they had enough for the next day and guess what it wasn't rancid and did not have maggots in it and i believe the lesson in that is that god wanted to show hey i am your provider i am your sustainer trust me i am going to do what i say i'm going to do that food will be there tomorrow you don't have to panic you don't have to worry i am going to provide that for you and i think god used food as a lesson because all of us know what it feels like to be hungry right whether it's a little bit hungry or whether you know you're very very hungry we all know what those hunger pains feel like and that was an easy way for him to help us understand and again, I'm going to say, I mean, you're going to hear me say this a couple times, but our spiritual health and our physical health are not at war with each other. They are intertwined. Okay, so the second thing I see about bread in Scripture is bread is community. Bread is used as a sign of sharing. Oftentimes, we hear the term break bread when we get, get together with people. Hey, let's get together and break bread. That's something that people will say. It doesn't actually mean like, break bread. It means have a meal together. Um, so with Jesus feeding the 5,000, let's go back there for just a second. So Jesus has this group of people, right? They're hungry. They want to eat. So he says, um, or Andrew says to him, I don't know what to do. This is in 610. I don't know what to do. There's this boy over here, and he has five barley loaves and two fish, but uh do you see all those people? Because that's not going to work. Um, and I, this, I've never noticed this before. I've heard this story. I mean, I've grown up in the church. So this is like, this is children's church story, right? Jesus fed the 5,000, all these people with these fish and these bread. But I'd never read this, that Jesus' response to Andrew was, 
tell him to sit down. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I just feel like that's such a power move. Uh, <laughs> tell him to sit down. Watch what I'm about to do. I love that. Don't you love that? Okay. Um, and so what Jesus does is he takes that food and he lifts it to heaven and asks God to multiply it. First he thanks him. Thank you, God, for what we've got. Multiply this so that I can feed these people. And then, so everyone gets fed, right? And this is the funny part, I think is funny, um, is that there, wa- there were leftovers, okay? And God, God is God, so he could have provided exactly the right amount, right? But he provided enough leftovers that there was enough to fill 12 baskets, so each of those disciples had to carry a basket of leftovers who were doubting that Jesus was going to come through and care for those people. I think that's funny. I love Jesus' interactions with his disciples because, man, those guys, <laughs> those guys. Um, so, food pulls us together, right? It does. When we have small group, it's better with food, right? It is, it is. Church potlucks are still kind of a thing, not really in COVID, but they used to be where you would have food at church. Um, but I believe that with food, that those physical health things that we can all identify with, it puts us all on the same playing field. We can all understand what our bodies need and what it feels like to not have the things we need to survive physically, like food, like water, like shelter, like clothing. We all understand what it, what it means to need those things. And I am going to tell you tonight, too, that we need our community to survive spiritually. Um, And I know most of you know that, and I know that you've experienced times in your life when you've had a lack of community and how hard it is to continue to walk with Jesus when you don't have fellow followers of him around you. Um, So I wanted to pull out some verses on one another. There are a lot of verses in the Bible that mention the two words one another, but I just wanted to pull out a few. Um, In John 13, verses 34 and 35, Scripture tells us to love one another. In Romans 15, 7, it tells us to accept one another, which I think goes hand in hand with love, um, to not judge each other. And I'm not talking about not calling each other out, because I'm coming to that, but to accept and love each other for who we are, just as Christ accepts you and loves you for who you are. Um, Galatians 6.2 tells us to care for each other and to share each other's burdens. You guys, like, tonight, I've had a weird day, okay? I've had a weird day. My life is weird. Everything is weird all the time. But I'm telling you, okay, I'm just going to put this down for a second. I, like... I haven't, last time I spoke at Encounter, our sound system went completely down, okay? Um, Every time it's my turn to speak, something is whack. (laughs) I don't know why that is. But today was no different, okay? So we've got these big storms. There's stuff going on in my house. Um, Ben's at Walmart. The, all, like somebody ran into a light pole and all the electricity went out while he's at Walmart. It just, it, it feels like just one thing after another, after another, after another. So tonight I get here and my friends, my community who are here um, gathered around me in the back and prayed over me because they knew that I just needed that prayer of peace. I didn't ask for that, um, but they know me well enough to pull me aside and to love me and to pray peace over me and to help carry those burdens with me so that I can release those and I can be up here to be with you. That's community. I'm grateful. I'm so grateful for my community. 
Um, it says in Romans 12.10 to take delight in each other and to be devoted to one another. In Ephesians 5.21, this is a hard one for a lot of us, submit to one another and be accountable to one another. This is the place where we have those few people that we are willing to open our chest to, to open our lives to and say, hey, here are some things. Here are some things in my life that I need you to hold me accountable to, and I'm going to submit to you in that as I tell you this and give you permission to ask me about those things when we're together. That's not everybody. We don't open our chest for everybody. We, we are choosy about that. The people who are closest to us, the people that we trust the most to say, hey, I need you. I need help. I can't carry this by myself because Satan loves, 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 loves sin in silence. Um, he blackmails us there. He whispers to you, don't tell anybody that. That's gross. Keep that to yourself. Don't let anybody in on that. Um, but scripture speaks differently. It tells us to confess to each other. It tells us to be accountable to one another. It also tells us in Colossians 3.16 to admonish one another with the wisdom of Christ. Key being with the wisdom of Christ. Not the wisdom of Joe. <laughs> not the wisdom of you. Because all of it, we all have our thoughts and opinions and, and our values and things and the way we view the world based on our personality, based on the way God made us, based on the way we grew up, what church we went to, all of those things. But we have got to be grounded in the wisdom of Christ and call each other out and admonish each other on his wisdom and not our own. There's a big difference there. And, and to, when you feel like God is saying, hey, that friend of yours is doing this and you are the one I need you to go talk, I need you to go talk to them, surrender that to him more than one time to say, are you sure this is you <laughs> and this isn't just me being upset and wanting to take care of that? Um, let the wisdom of Christ flow through you and not your own. And last one I want to share with you, Hebrews 10.24 tells us to spur one another on to love and good deeds. Love that. Let's go. Go on a missions trip. Why aren't you going on a missions trip? Go on a missions trip. That's spurring, spurring one another. You have a whole other week. Go to New York with me. Okay? I'm going to New York. Come with me. Let's go. Let's go. Let's spur each other on and go to New York. Okay. That wasn't planned. Um, God never asks us to do life by ourselves. We can't. We can't. I know. How many of you have experienced trying to follow Jesus by yourself without other followers around you? It's hard, you guys. It is so hard because what happens is you become like the people that are around you. You can't help it. That is human beings. That is how we are. We become exactly like who we're around. And so surrounding yourself with people who are pushing you, who are pulling you sometimes um, towards our Father, that cannot be replaced, and you have to fight for that. Fight hard. Don't let conflict get in your way. Don't let weird, stupid anything's getting your way because Satan, if he wants to attack a community of believers, he's going to start small and he's going to start with you and your roommate or he's going to start with you and your best friend or you and your friend group. He's going to start and he's going to weasel his way in and, he, and he's going to try to dis make dissension happen and make you guys not like each other anymore for honestly, most of the time, really dumb reasons. So fight, fight for your community, fight for that. All right, third thing, the word. Wow, that's a little loose. All right, I, I'm so sorry. Thanks for loving me anyway. 
those of you who don't know me, I'm sorry. This is who I am. Um, so Jesus is the bread of life, right? 635, John 635 tells us that. We need him every day for our spiritual health, just as we need food, drink, for our physical health. And I, I told you I was going to say it a bunch of times. Intertwined. Those two things are intertwined. We need the word of God just as much as we need food. That's why I believe that's why Jesus calls himself the bread of life, because we can understand bread, and we can understand our need for food, and we need him just as much as we need food. In Deuteronomy 8.3, the world, the world, <laughs> the word, two very different things, um, tells us that man does not live on bread alone, that we live by the words of God, and that is where our scripture is. And then in Matthew 4, 4, that is where Jesus is being tempted by Satan. Um, Jesus has been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, clearly has physical hunger because Jesus was complete human. And so he was feeling that hunger, and Satan tempted him by saying, you have the power to turn these rocks into bread. And as a human being who Jesus is, that had to, that had to be like... <laughs> I mean, can you imagine saying no? Like, as a human being, not even having eaten for 40 days to say no to that. But Jesus did. He said no. Man does not live by bread alone. He lives by the word of God and was able to refuse Satan's temptation. Um, so my challenge to you with this one is that we, to get to our spiritual health, there, I mean, there are a lot of spiritual disciplines we can do, and I think the spiritual rhythm, rhythms um, workshop that's happening on Sunday will give you some of those things too. But um, asking God daily for what you need, because just like in Exodus, when he promised to give daily the manna from heaven, daily exactly what they needed, God promises to give us that too. Um, he promises to give you daily exactly what you need for that day, but I also want you to remember that God knows better than we do what we need. And so you can ask him. He wants us to ask him. He wants us to ask him for things. He wants us to say, hey, I've got this test coming up, or I've got this job interview, or I, there's this relationship that's been difficult. God, can you help me? He wants us to ask for those things, but he's going to provide you what you need that day according to him, not according to you. And so that requires surrender, requires trust, and requires faith. Requires you to be on your knees in prayer, requires you to be in the word, requires you to be in the church with his people and to listen to your friends when they have things to say that are directly from the Lord. Um, John 6.29, I like this verse in the, that's right before what I read to you. Um, it's very gospel-centered. Jesus says this, the only work God wants from you is to believe in the one he has sent. To believe in Jesus. To believe the one that he has sent. That's, that's the work that God wants from us. Now, it's more than just believing, right? Because he also wants us to surrender. That's part of believing. He wants us to confess our sins to him. That's part of believing. He wants us to follow him in the waters of baptism that we get to witness tonight, that's part of believing. But as people in our human flesh, which is really hard to live in, by the way, it's really hard to be a person and to, and to fight to live for Jesus. Um, we want depth, right? I hear you guys say that all the time. I just want to go deeper. I just, I just want to go deeper. Let's have a deep conversation. Let's just do this. 
Um, but I believe we're searching for a feeling in that. Um, we're searching for a human feeling, a physical feeling maybe, and not necessarily always a spiritual um, health in that. Does that make sense? Um, we're looking for human satisfactions. We're looking for things that can only be understood by our flesh. And I believe that Jesus is asking us to break out of that um, and to look further, to look further down the path of, okay, here are, the, here are these physical things that I feel when I pray to you, God, and sometimes I can feel your presence and sometimes I can't. But that doesn't really matter because my life is committed to you and my life is surrendered to you. So I'm going to get on my knees and I'm going to talk to you whether I feel it or feel like it or not. Because, again, we're basing those things on our human our fleshly things, our physical things, um, instead of intertwining those again with our spiritual life. Um, number four. Bread is the body of Christ. Um, John 6. You guys, if you haven't read John 6, go read the whole thing. It is good. I learned a lot of things, and I really wanted to, like, break down every verse for you tonight, but that would have taken way too long. So, but go back and read it. But in, in verses 53 to 58, that's where it tells us that Jesus is the body and blood, and who, that has given us eternal life, to feast on Jesus like we would feast on bread. His sacrifice is the cross, right? And that is why um, we celebrate communion, is to remember that sacrifice that he made for us. But I think what we do um, as human beings is we oftentimes we are substituting things for bread, um, the bread of life, talking about Jesus. We have a lot of things that we will substitute in there. Um, it's hard to live in these human bodies because we are attacked in this world from every angle. We are distracted um, by a lot of different things that, that distract us from our spiritual health and the things that God wants us to uh, focus in on. We are so, so, so prone to empty calories when it comes to our spiritual walk with Jesus. We don't feel close, and so we're striving, striving, striving. And remember, I, I talked about this at fall retreat, like trying harder, like stop trying harder. <laughs> it's not about trying. It really isn't about trying harder. It's all about surrender. It's all about getting down on your knees and saying, I, I, don't, I don't know, I don't know. I don't know what to do anymore, but I know I need you. Some things that I believe we do, um, some, just some examples of things that we do for temporary satisfaction, things we look at. Um, when it comes to our physical bodies, um, we all know what it feels like to abuse our bodies. Um, if we've had too much food, that feels gross, right? Um, too much alcohol also feels pretty gross. Uh, there is such a thing as too much exercise. There is such a thing as too much sleep. Both of those things, there really is, David, too much exercise. <laughs> I, uh, we can talk about it later. Um, <laughs> but there's also such a thing as too little sleep. And being too busy and, and, and priding yourself on, I only got three hours of sleep last night, well, go home and sleep. Like, that, does, that is not impressive to me. Um, there's such a thing as too little food. There's also such a thing as too little exercise. Okay. Um, one David back. Um, <laughs> 
and also eating food that does not satisfy our body's needs, that does not satisfy our physical needs. We can eat all day long and keep our stomachs full and give our bodies absolutely nothing it needs. And that's important. It really is important. And I'm not up here to say never have french fries or a cupcake, but I'm saying don't always have french fries and a cupcake because our bodies need nourishment. Um, or we can take something, and I, you guys, uh, people tease me all the time that I try to work sex into every talk, and yes, I do, and here it is. So we can take something as beautiful and as such a good gift as sex that God has given us t- to us as believers. It is not the world, and I will, I'm going to, that is such a soapbox for me, but it makes me so frustrated. Sex does not belong to the world. It belongs to us as followers of Jesus in marriage, but... Um, we and the world have taken something that is a beautiful gift and have distorted it either by pornographic lustful over here or over here by saying that's disgusting I don't want anything to do with it neither one of those are God (laughs) neither one God is a beautiful gift that he gave to us um, and that's a whole nother sermon, and I would love to give you, but there, uh, it is a gift. It is a gift, and, and there are many gifts that God has given us that we have twisted, and Satan has, has pushed us to twist and turn it into something that God had never intended. In our community, um, we may have satisfaction by not letting other people in. I can do this by myself. I don't need anybody. I don't need to tell anybody what's going on. Um, maybe by not keeping a confidence, someone's confessed something to you and you have run and told somebody else. Um, some of you may have isolated. Those of you who are prone to isolating, I've had a lot of really good excuses this last two years to be isolated. Um, some of us let our friends and our community replace God. And that one I really want you to hear because I think we are all prone to that. I am prone to that. Um, I am prone to, I had this good conversation with my friend over coffee and let that replace my time with Jesus. That's good. That's a good thing. And there's a, there's a lot of fruit that can come from that. And there's a lot that God can do in my life from that. But that cannot replace my time with Jesus and my relationship with Jesus. Gotta have both of those things. Um, I said this earlier, but one of the things we do is that we're not with people who push us towards Jesus. And then maybe you are desiring friendships and relationships above Jesus. Ouch. <laughs> I mean, I've stood, I've stood up here and told you how important community is, and it is. It absolutely is. And being in a dating relationship and moving towards marriage is a beautiful gift, and that's absolutely from the Lord as well. But... Those are things we can very easily idolize. Um, those are things we can very easily put above our Father. Um, and it doesn't, like, it's not two separate things. It isn't my relationship with God and then my relationship with my friends or the person I'm dating. It's all together. Like, we put all those things together, but God has to be at the center of that, and he has to be the most important of that. Um, but I think we desire those things sometimes above Jesus. And that, that would be an example of a good thing. It's a good thing. Um, but when we put it above our relationship with God, then it is no longer a good thing for us. Um, with the word, some of us know scripture, but we don't let it affect our day-to-day. 
Um, if you are someone who knows a lot of scripture because you've studied it, because you went to a Christian school, because you are in a Christian school, or you just are really good at studying scripture, I'm just going to challenge you, make sure it's going to your heart. Because um, there can be a lot of Bible knowledge. There can be a lot of stuff up here. Satan knows the word, you guys. But you gotta, it has to affect your day-to-day. If it's not affecting your day-to-day, then it's just a book. Um, with, like, I've already talked about this, but the, I, I want to... I just want to go deeper and the complaining that, that maybe your small group or maybe encounter itself or maybe your friendships aren't going deep enough. Um, I'm going to challenge you to figure what the heck do you mean by that? First of all, what the heck do you mean? Do you even know what you mean when you say that? Most people don't because when you say, what do you mean? Uh, well, just want to go deeper. Okay. What does that mean? What does that mean? And what are you doing to infect the people around you to take deeper Okay, and I'm not, like, <laughs> I wish I could have individual, sometimes I open my mouth and I'm like, uh-oh, you need to talk to everybody and tell them what you mean, and I can't, so here I am, I just said that. Um, but what I mean by that, I want, I want deep friendships too, okay? I want a deep relationship with Jesus too, but I wonder sometimes if I'm looking for a human satisfaction that I'm not ever fully going to get to this side of heaven, does that make sense? I think we're looking for this completeness, for this wholeness, for this ah, I've arrived thing that we can't, we can't get to this side of heaven. And so it isn't I'm going to complain until we go deeper. Well, you may, never go, you may never go deeper like you think you want to. Does that make sense? So keep, keep fighting for that. Keep challenging each other. Keep being in the word together, looking at scripture, and not just I want to have deep conversations. Um... And then some of us aren't in the word at all. And we're relying on our flesh and encounters your only touch with scripture. Then there are others of us who maybe use the word to attack each other. Uh, hello, this last <laughs> year. Hasn't it been fun? <laughs> it's been so fun. Um, that scripture is used to attack each other. And you guys know this. It's all over social media. And I'm not, I'm not like you encounter, like you students are doing it. But you guys have seen it that Christians are using scripture to attack each other and not to encourage each other and not to spur one another on and not to love one another, but to use it to attack each other. Um, God uh, has created us with eternity in mind. It tells us in Ecclesiastic 3.11 that he has created us with eternity in mind. And I think that because of that, this world is hard. This world is really hard because of all the things I just said. We have eternity in mind, and we can't reach it here, and it makes being here hard. In Romans 3.23, it tells us that we cannot earn eternity. 6.23 of Romans, that our sin has earned us death. In Romans 3.10, not one of us is righteous, not one. 2 Corinthians 5.21 We all have desires that we cannot fulfill on our own and that's why Jesus came to fulfill this. And that is why we take communion. So going back to um, the bread being the body of Christ. We are going to take communion tonight and you have it under your chairs but don't get it yet. Hold on. I shouldn't even have said it. Um, I, want, I want to take just a second to explain communion because this isn't something that we often do at Encounter, 
Um, we, a lot of you go to churches who do it on a week-to-week basis, but this isn't something we often do. So if communion is foreign to you, I want to explain to you what it is and why we partake in communion. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you have surrendered your life to him and you believe that he died on the cross and rose again for your sins, then communion is for you. And the reason we take the bread and the juice is to remember that sacrifice. It is a symbol. It represents the body and blood of Jesus Christ. And it is the reason we do that is to remember that sacrifice and to be thankful for that sacrifice. But what I want you to do before you take communion, this is going to be on your own, is I want you to think about what is it in your life that you've been striving for that has replaced the bread of life in your life. It can be good things. It doesn't have to be sin. It can be good things. Like we can fill up our entire schedule of Jesus things and have it have nothing to do with Jesus. <laughs> we can go to church every night of the week. We can, we can lead a hundred small groups. We can I mean, there's so many Jesus things you can do and have it have nothing to do with Jesus and have your relationship with Jesus not be growing in that. So it might be those things. Maybe there's a thing you need to surrender there. Maybe it is a sin that you need to surrender. Maybe there's something you've been striving after to fill an empty void that you're feeling that actually needs to be filled by Jesus, but you've been trying to, f- to fuel it with food, um, with exercise, with friendships, with alcohol. What is it? What do you need to surrender? Because I don't want you to sit in that chair and take communion and take the bread of Jesus without getting rid of the thing that you've been substituting it for. So Danny's going to play for a little bit. We're going to give you about a minute before he he starts into worship for you to think about or uh, ask God. Ask God what it is that he needs you to surrender to him before you take his bread, his body. Okay. But also, I want to I say this, too, because I know uh, that there may be some of you that aren't, you aren't followers of Jesus. <laughs> there may be some of you in this room who are like, I don't think I know the Jesus you're talking about. I don't think I follow that guy. I think I've filled my life with all kinds of substitutes and I don't even know what this bread is you're talking about. Um, then don't, don't take communion tonight. You're not ready for that. But do have a conversation. Do ask questions. And our staff, we're here. We're all over the place. And I'll, I will, I'll ask a couple of them to stand in the back. Okay? So if you are that person and you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have not surrendered to him, then I want you to go talk to somebody before you touch that communion because that's not for you tonight. Okay. I love you guys.